0: Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. Today's topic is close to my heart as I truly believe it is a crucial component in our fight for joy, and that is living in community with others, being purposeful about loving your place, loving your people, and walking closely with others through the ups and downs of life. Eric and I really value this kind of community life, and we've worked hard to create it and find our quote unquote tribe wherever we have lived. God created us to be relational beings, and that's rooted in being created in the image of God, who is triune and relational. We just aren't meant to walk alone. So as we rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep, and let others do the same for us, the fellowship and encouragement that we experience brings such help and comfort, and yes, joy. I'm grateful that Eric and I both had this modeled for us growing up. Both of our families had close friends that we lived a lot of life with. Our families were plugged into church. Our parents were teaching, leading, and serving. We were plugged into our neighborhood, school, and involved in various ways all throughout town. Both of our families loved their place and planted their roots deep in the community. So it's really no surprise that life with others is important to us now and something that we are teaching our kids to value too. But I have to say, when Jackson died, we understood it and experienced it on a whole new level. We were so blessed and helped by the amount of comfort and support and encouragement that our community brought to us when we were absolutely overwhelmed with grief and pain. We are where we are today in our grief journey, in part because of our strong community. And this brings me to my guest today, Jodi Nemitz. Jodi, yes, we have the same name, and her family are a part of this strong community, of our personal community. They are some of the people that we most closely live life with here in town. They value living in community with others just as deeply as we do. So it's a real blessing to have this conversation with her today. You might notice that the episode is a little bit longer than a typical episode, and I think the reason for that is twofold. Number one, Jody and I never seem to run out of things to talk about when we're together, <laughs> so it's actually surprising that it's not even longer. And secondly, we are in the middle of a coronavirus pandemic, so to have a friend over felt so special and we really had nothing to get back to and no real time constraints. So sorry, not sorry for the length of this. And just remember, there is nothing wrong with listening to a podcast off and on when you have time. In fact, with everyone home and my normal podcast listening times being way out of whack myself, I'm tending to listen to most podcasts this way lately as well. 10 minutes while I'm getting ready in the morning, another 15 minutes while I'm folding laundry in the afternoon, and then maybe 20 minutes while I'm getting dinner ready or I'm out on a walk. You get the picture. These are the days of fitting things in whenever we can. Okay, anyway, I will stop talking so this doesn't get even longer, but I'm just excited to introduce you to Jodi. I think you'll love hearing her story of how their family changed some major aspects of their life in order to live more closely and more intentionally with others. We do also try to give you a glimpse into what living in community has looked like for our two families, both before and during our grief journey. And we share some practical ways that we hope you can further expand your circle or deepen the one that you already have. As you listen, I hope you are reminded that you aren't meant to walk through life alone, that building a sense of community wherever you are is worth the hard work, the challenging times, and the long-term commitment. But please don't be discouraged if you didn't have this modeled for you or you don't have a tight-knit community right now because it's not too late. You can start now, yes, even in the midst of social distancing, there are ways to connect and create community. We even share a little bit about that towards the end of our conversation. I hope this episode reminds you or begins to help you see that both in good times and bad, living in tight community and being purposeful about being known and knowing others is such an important, practical, and life-giving tool in the fight for joy. Hi, Jodi. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thanks for being here and doing this with me. It's a pleasure. Well, you and I met years ago through a mutual friend, actually another one of my podcast guests, Kelly Carnes. I remember her telling me that I reminded her of a friend of hers who was also named Jodi <laughs> and that we just had to meet. So she had us over for coffee. Do you remember that? Absolutely. Yeah, and then it just seemed like our kids' activities started to overlap and they became friends and then eventually our friendship just really began to take off and now what is it 10 years later? Yeah, probably yeah, about, about 10 that. years yep. later we are the best of friends and you are who I do life with. And so really happy to have you on the podcast and talk a little bit about that. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Well, before we get into the topic for today, which is a really good fit um, for our friendship and how we do do life together, um, let's start by having you introduce yourself a little bit to my listeners.
1: Okay. Well, I am Nebraska born and bred. Um, I grew up in Lexington, which is in central Nebraska. I grew up on a farm there. My family, my parents still live there. I went to the University of Nebraska and studied advertising. That's also where I met my husband, Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and I got married the Friday of finals week, our junior year. <laughs> Which so. always
0: cracks me up to hear yes. that. Yes. <laughs>
1: well, we were um, in love. Yes. So we just wanted to get married. Um, but 26 years later, here we are and still in love and still enjoying mm. him. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we have three boys. Uh, Max is 20 Ethan is 18 and Nick is 16 they as you know are very full of personality and mm-hmm. exuberance and mm-hmm. um, always ready to tell a joke and make people laugh currently I am working at the Fremont family YMCA which has been a big source of community um, for me and my family
0: and I do the marketing for them great good well Um, I'm thankful for our continued friendship, not just you and me, but as families. I mean, when you talk about your boys, I absolutely love and adore your boys, and they are super special to our whole family and um, your husband Jay and um, my husband Eric have such a special friendship too. So it's been neat that not only are you and I friends, but that we really live life together as a family. Yeah,
1: that's been fun. I've loved having your kids as part of my life. Since Mm -hmm. I have all boys, I pretty much have adopted your two girls (laughs) as my girl outlet. So
0: yeah, they love it too. Well, as you know, this podcast is called Fighting for Joy. And when I think of you, I really do think joy and happiness. And you just, you exude positivity and you're quick to smile, you're quick to see the bright side, quick to laugh. Um, But even positive people go through difficult things and struggle and have times when they have to fight for joy. So I thought we would start by talking a little bit about this and just have you share um, just what robs you of joy, maybe a time in your life when you struggled to find joy or just an area right now that's challenging for you. Sure.
1: Um, You know, for me, a lot of times the struggle for joy is just things piling up Mm -hmm. um, where Mm -hmm. you can't really distinguish one thing that's robbing Mm -hmm. your joy, Mm -hmm. but you feel like things are eating away at you. I call it like the measuring cup effect, right? Where yeah. one thing kind of annoys you and then other things build on top of that. And so I have spent some time in self-reflection in why that happens or what, what is the core of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, in parenting especially, I think, and in marriage, a lot of times for me, it's my desires versus my expectations mm-hmm. and managing that. I know when Jay and I were first married, we went to this marriage seminar and that was one of the things they talked about is identifying desires versus expectations. So, for example, when your anniversary rolls around (laughs) and you um, have an idea in your mind of what your husband should do for your anniversary. So Mm -hmm. is it a desire Mm -hmm. that he does this certain thing or isn't an expectation? Because if it's a desire, if he doesn't do it, you're like, well, that's a bummer shoot, maybe next year. Right. Or maybe I should talk to him about what I would like our anniversary to look like. Versus if it's an expectation, then you're just full on mad. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, (laughs) how did you not know that this is what I wanted? Right. So and as my children have gotten older, like I mentioned, they're all teenagers and young adults. Mm -hmm. I think as a mom, that has been a big struggle because Mm -hmm. when they're young, you really kind of control what they do, who they do it with, when they do it, and then they become teenagers and they have free will to do and be with who they want to be with and Mm -hmm. do what they want to do. And so Mm -hmm. that desire versus expectation thing really comes into play in that things that are important to me or that I perceive they should be doing are not necessarily what they want to be doing or how they want to be spending their time. So that can cause a lot of conflict between them and me and um, just rob all of us of joy. Yeah. So being cognizant of that, I think, has mm-hmm. been a big um, challenge and but helpful mm-hmm. in, in dealing with my older Older children. Mm -hmm. How about you? What do you do? You struggle with that with your kids? Yes, (laughs) yes,
0: I do. I struggle with that in a lot of different areas in life. And uh, you and I have have actually helped each other, I think, a lot to manage our expectations and to realize when we are putting expectations on things in um, maybe an unrealistic way. Because I think you're right. I mean, it, it really does rob us of joy, and then it does create conflict and you and I are both wired in such a way that when there's conflict um man it's hard to find joy in the midst of that (laughs) right um so I think I think that's a great thing for you to bring up I'm really I think a lot of people struggle with that and the fact that you like you said just putting a name on it and acknowledging it is kind of the first step because I think it was like a light bulb moment when I realized a lot that I'm disappointed because my expectations were unrealistic versus this other person doing something that actually was wrong or right Not enough. Um, I think for me, too, right now in the season of life that I'm in, um, fear and worry um, are two big things in parenting, um, but just in life in general, too, that are a struggle for me when I give into those things. um, I really am lacking joy (laughs) right and you know a lot of times my fears and my worries I mean they're valid Um, I'm not making things up I'm not creating these unfounded fears it's just that nothing gets better um, when I get paralyzed by worry or when I stay up all night thinking through all kinds of things Um, in fact things usually usually get worse and like I said I start lacking joy so man I think as moms um, just in general as moms um, the fight for joy is so real
1: yes well it's it's a very challenging humbling job mm-hmm. i mean there are a lot of wonderful things about being a mom but i would say if i w- am being completely honest looking at my life that has brought me the most joy but mm-hmm. has also brought me has robbed me of joy in certain ways as well because of things that i've placed upon myself mm-hmm like mom guilt I think you know any yeah. mom who is devoted to their child at some point or on a daily basis deals mm-hmm. with mom guilt mm-hmm. or comparison mm-hmm. where you look at other moms and you're like oh my goodness especially when the boys it's were little one. right so yeah I had three boys under the age of five right and <laughs> yeah like no one had us over ever because mm-hmm. we were just chaos in a package <laughs> right we were and and I would go and I would, uh, most of my friends had little girls, so they'd all be coloring and quietly playing Play-Doh and my children would be like sticking their dolls in the toilet <laughs> or whatever was going on. And I I would compare myself, but yes, it's, it's, it is humbling, but as you know, that's God gave me those children because that's mm-hmm. who, who, mm-hmm was right for me to raise and how I raise them is not always going to look the same as how someone else raised them because they're different people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But acknowledging that and not falling into the mom guilt or the comparison or Mm -hmm. again, the desires versus
0: expectations. Yeah. I think that's something that every mom struggles with. I do too. I do too. I can picture a lot of people listening right now and nodding their heads. So thank you for being real about that, and um, and that's why I'm doing doing season two is just trying to highlight various tools that can help us win this fight for joy. When we fall into comparison, when we fall into having these expectations that are robbing us of joy, when we're giving into fear and worry, and um, and when we're discouraged, what can we do um, to help fight for joy? And so I'm excited about what you're going to talk about today. I think it's practical and something that all of us, not just moms, but everyone in all seasons of life can implement and do and that's living in a tight community and being purposeful about being known and knowing others and really building into the place that you live and your family has just a really special and unique story about this and about how you made some really big changes in your life um, in work and home life and family life to be able to feel more connected and more a part of where you live and who you do life with. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about this shift, just kind of what precipitated it and how you ended up here in Fremont.
1: You bet. Well, we were living in Omaha, um, which is a great city. It's it's close to Fremont. Mm-hmm. But again, when we were living in Omaha, I had very small children. Mm-hmm. And I did feel very isolated mm-hmm. because it was, I had grown up in a small town, as I mentioned, in Lexington, which is about 6,500 people. Mm-hmm. My grandparents lived there. My parents both grew up there. Mm-hmm. I knew everyone. Uh, when you walk down the street, people knew who you were. There was a lot of accountability. And in Omaha, with these three small children, it was hard to make new friends. It was mm-hmm. hard to become connected. I didn't know people. You didn't run into people that you knew. And I just was very, very lonely Mm -hmm. and was a stay-at-home mom at the time. I had been used to working and being in relationship with people Mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. I was used to being... Uh, I hate to say it, but like successful at things, mm-hmm. you know, in high school, I was successful at things. Then I went to work and I was successful. Mm-hmm. And here I was a mom and you don't really get that positive feedback. Like you don't win mom of the week, like no. for doing a good job for <laughs> <What>? <laughs> underappreciated. For yes. sure. Well, yeah. it, it's, you know, you can just get into a cycle mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. of just loneliness with small children. Yeah. And so, you know, we started looking at maybe ways that we could find more community Mm -hmm. and we looked at Fremont Fremont uh, had a lot of benefits number one it was less expensive in Omaha our oldest child at the time was in Lutheran school and we really wanted to continue that Lutheran school education Mm -hmm. Fremont has a great Lutheran school that's less expensive but the thing that really put us over the edge as far as pulling the trigger on making this change was About the time that we had talked about this, my very good friend from high school, her sister, who's always struggled with cystic fibrosis, passed away at 23 years old. Mm -hmm. And we went back to that funeral and being back in my community Mm -hmm. that I grew up in and seeing just how the community pulled together Mm -hmm. and everyone was at the funeral and her parents are cattle ranchers. And so people were helping them on their ranch. They were helping them, yeah. you know, get food. They were just like it was the whole community, whether they were close friends or not, were just coming together. And I realized that if that at the point I was at in that stage of life had happened to me, would I have that same I call it casserole community right. coming to surround me. And I just want that. Mm-hmm. I That's how I wanted to live. I wanted not only for myself, but to be that person, to be that person who could be there for other people and to share in the, not only their joy, but in their pain and walk mm-hmm. through that with them in a very non superficial kind of way. And so we felt that Fremont might give us that opportunity being a smaller community mm-hmm. um, and just being able to plug in a little bit more than where we were in Omaha. So Mm -hmm. we decided to move to Fremont. Jay commuted into Omaha still for work and Mm -hmm. we moved to Fremont and the Mm -hmm. kids enrolled in school. So that's kind of how we ended up here.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a big change, a big life change for um, what you were desiring in life. I mean, that's bold and brave. Yeah. Really, really cool to hear that. And you know, I have a bunch I could say, on this topic. (laughs) I mean, I've told you many times that our grief journey, you know, it would have looked really different if we would have lived somewhere else. I mean, our family is known here and loved here. And when tragedy did strike our family, when we needed that casserole club, right? I mean, all of the families, not only our family, but the other families that were involved too, were just overwhelmed with care and just surrounded by our whole community and continue to be, um, surrounded by people you know like you and Jay and and so many people who would do anything for us and just the feeling of you know our sons um, all three boys were known and and loved and people weren't just sad for us or just sad to hear this awful news I mean they were also grieving they knew the boys they knew us and that was really meaningful and I like you said with your um, your friend's sister's funeral I mean I did feel like the whole town showed up um, for Jackson's funeral and for Trey and Ty's as well. And I'll never forget just pulling into the church for Jackson's funeral. We were there, you know, early, of course. Um, But I just I burst into tears because I saw these uniformed um, guards trying to direct traffic and help people find places to park because the whole parking lot was already full. And people just showed up and in the following weeks, you know, I didn't feel like they were trying to figure out our address to send a card. I mean, they knew where we lived and they just showed up and they kept showing up. And, you know, once we started to be able to get out and about again, a few months into grief, we were always running into people and it was natural and easy for people to, you know, to check in with us and to offer hugs and to pray with us and cry with us. And, so this town and, and the special people in this town, there's <clears throat> nothing magical about it, <laughs> but the community that we have here um, has really helped me to keep fighting for joy in, in my darkest days, and they still do. And you guys have been a huge part of that, And um, and I know that there's been opportunities for people to be that community for you too. Absolutely. Yeah, well, like I said, there's nothing magical about Fremont, Nebraska, so it wasn't just the move here that made the shift <laughs> and that helped you to feel more a part of the community. It really was largely your effort and determination um to build into the community and to live life with others. And I would say the tr- the same is true, you know, for us, the ways that that people have, you know, walked with us does directly correlate really to the many things that we as a family have have done to work to build community. Um And I think it is important to acknowledge that community can happen in a bigger city too. I mean, you and I both have friends who have made their city um, feel smaller by finding, you know, a tribe at church or a community in, in an organization or a club or even you know, friends within their neighborhood or even something like an exercise class um, and developing friendships there. So as we continue to use the word community in this podcast, I mean, I think it's important to acknowledge that we're talking more about the sense of community that you can build around yourself and your family with meaningful relationships, not just a small town. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're not trying to say that everybody should pick up their family and move to Fremont, Nebraska. (laughs) But for you and your family, Jody, and the ways that you are wired and your family is wired, it was just um, easier and more natural to create the sense of community here versus the life you were living um, in a bigger city. Um, so, you know, kind of moving into the next question that I have for you wherever deep, rich community is found, there will be effort that was put forth. And, you know, the words we're even using to describe this creating community, building into community, developing friendships. They're verbs, and you are doing something to make this happen. So I would love for you to share a little bit, um, just what did it look like for you um, with relationships and with the town and with your community um, when you first made the move all those years ago? How did you start to plug into everything here? And then also just what does it look like for you living in community now all these years later?
1: You bet. Well, I will say when I, when we decided to move to Fremont, I was, I was on fire, right? I was, <laughs> Excited. I was ready to rumble. Uh-huh. Yes. I wanted <clears throat> friendships. I wanted to be in community. This was a number one pr- priority for me. I had identified that that really was what I was missing in my life. Um, I'm sure I was probably almost terrifying to maybe to people <laughs> who met me because I was very enthusiastic Uh, Bless her heart. My mom even made me I'm going to call them calling cards if you if you're a history buff at all you know uh people used to have calling cards that you would have their name and phone number and and you could get a hold of people well my mom made me calling cards i love it and so as i would meet people that that were potential friends potential new friends for me i would give them a calling card and i have a friend who still laughs about this to this day like i met her at church she was super funny and outgoing and i'm like hey do you want to have coffee sometime? And she's like, well, sure. And I go, okay, well, here's my card. You can just call me. And she goes, oh my gosh, you have a calling card. I'm like, yes, yes, I do. Um, But again, just I was very intentional. And the thing is, a lot of people are looking for friendship. A lot of people Mm -hmm. are looking to find people to be in relationship. It's just really a fear of being the person to put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. And it really is not that much different than dating. I mean, if you look at it, Mm -hmm. you kind of date for friends, right? You find people that you enjoy spending time with. Um, Sometimes you go out for coffee and you're like, wow, that totally filled my cup. And sometimes you go out for coffee and you're like, well, that was nice. But, um, you know, maybe this is not completely the person that I wanted mm-hmm. to be intentional with at this time mm-hmm. so there was a lot of dating I did a lot of dating to find a friend group I grew up again in this environment where my mom was all about clubs like they they belonged to every kind of club mm-hmm. my grandparents they had a cruise club They had like, they would go on cruises every three years and they would get together every two months to plan the next cruise. Mm -hmm. So they had dinner club, they had card club, they had PEO, Mm -hmm. they had salad luncheon. And so I was like, well, I'm going to make some clubs. So Mm -hmm. I created different clubs. We had a coffee group, Mm -hmm. Uh, we created a lunch bunch. So just trying different things to see what would work. But again, was very enthusiastic about Mm -hmm. creating this community Mm-hmm. I've probably tapered down a little now. I've calmed, <laughs> calmed down. I've found some people to hang out with. Mm-hmm. So, But still, you know, am intentional in trying to mm-hmm. be a part of this community. Mm-hmm. I started working at the YMCA. Our YMCA is the largest in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's really the hub of the Fremont community. Yeah. yeah, it is. And so when we moved here, I started working out there. Uh, started meeting people Mm -hmm. loved it started working there just Mm -hmm. in the Wellness Center for fun the I love the fact that I could meet everyone from the general practitioner doctor in town to people you know from every walk of life and be in relationship with them Mm -hmm. and meet and be in relationship with people that I wouldn't normally nor meet on a normal basis Uh, My kids used to joke that when we go to the grocery store, I was like a mini celebrity because I worked at the Y. (laughs) They go, oh, that's the Y girl. There's there's a Y girl over in produce. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love Mm -hmm. knowing people in the grocery store. I love knowing people walking down the street. Mm -hmm. And I love being able to bring a smile to people's faces by greeting them and maybe telling them a little joke or just making them feel special. Mm -hmm. And because... I have met them before I have the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned plugging into church too. That's mm-hmm. that's a big mm-hmm. one. Finding a church group to plug into. Mm-hmm. And your girls were so such a special part of that for me. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I love teenage girls. I do. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. them. And I think that one way that God has used me having all boys is I do have a heart for Mm -hmm. reaching out to other people's daughters and being a mentor to them. Mm -hmm. And so being the girls Sunday school leader was very fulfilling to me and Mm -hmm. kind of created a mini community of for sure. I don't know one mom calls it my minions. Um <laughs> so I have my group of minions.
0: <laughs> they adore you. So, they adore you. How about you? Um well I love you? just before I share what, you know, kind of for me I I really love just hearing you share that Jody and seeing the progression of like when you first moved here like you said just being almost overly excited about just kind of what kind of friendships you could make and um and then how you just transitioned into um kind of you know, opening your circle and serving the community, mentoring, working, I mean, so it's just, it's neat to see how it, how it has developed over the years of just um, trying to find fun friendships all the way now to where you are, you know, like you said, interacting with all kinds of people that your paths would not have crossed with if you not were, if you weren't serving and working in our community. And I think that that is such a special way to build into community is working and serving and building into others And, um, what a, what a neat, um, person that you are in our community because of that. And you're right. I mean, when I say, do you know, Jodi Nemitz, they're always like, oh, is she the happy one at the Y? You know, I mean, you are known for that, for being warm and welcoming and hospitable at the Y and at your work. And for sure with our girls and many young girls, um, throughout our community, you are known as a second mom and somebody they can confide in and a mentor. And so it's just neat. It's neat to hear you kind of talk through the the transition and the progression of coming here with so much excitement about starting all of these clubs, which are great. And you had that modeled for you. And I think there's great value in that. And you and I have talked about wanting to do more of that and creating more yes. of more clubs, but also just kind of seeing, OK, maybe um, maybe as I settle into serving and working And living life with with these people at a at a YMCA, I mean that is that is a special way to build community and impact and and influence the lives of a lot of people. Um, I think for me, it's it's similar to what you said. I mean, I I've had to do a lot of initiating, a lot of introducing, a lot of inviting, a lot of hosting. I mean, very similar to you and and just getting involved, like you said, at church, at school, in the community, and just letting people get to know me and working hard to get to know others, and not just by hanging out casually, but really working and serving together and pushing for deeper conversations. And, um, and, you know, for me, like you, this is a little easier in a smaller community. And, and for me, you know, too, this is the town I grew up in. So I do have a lot of you know, lifelong connections that have set the foundation for this for me. But I do think that there is just some ease that comes from running into people all the time. It feels natural to kind of make plans when you keep running into somebody at the grocery store or to get caught up with another couple when you're seated next to each other at a restaurant or your kids are developing friendships. And so you keep meeting up at the same park. And So I just think we see each other maybe more often here um, than we might in a bigger city. Um, And like you said, I I think it has been helpful for me to keep my circles open and always be willing to include more people in my life and in my circles and in my friend groups. I mean, you and I are always open to new friendships and adding another couple to the mix. And I'd say I'm always on the lookout for that. And Mm -hmm. so just not being closed off really helps to feel a part of a place because as your circle grows... I think your sense of community grows, and I've seen that in your life um, through the why. And I think lastly, you know, it's just important to love the place that, that God has planted you. So if it is a city, I mean, love and embrace the city life and find ways to build community there um, in your apartment building or at your church, like we said, or through your child's school. But if it is a small town in middle America like Fremont, <laughs> I mean, you and I have talked a lot about embracing and loving this place. And um, we've har- we've worked hard to do that. I mean, we've worked, worked hard to to find our favorite restaurant. We love going to Woodcliffe. Um, you know, we have we like our little baker's grocery store. We have found um, our favorite coffee shops, our favorite places to walk. Right. So I think you can build community over a shared love for something. And so if you live in the same place, you can work to love that place. I think you experience um, just a special joy where you live and who you live there with. I agree. Yeah. Well, let's work on connecting the dots on the how. I really like talking through this with my guests. How specifically has living in close community with others helped you or encouraged you or deepened your joy?
1: One of the, the neat things, again, with working at the YMCA and just being in a smaller town is I think that you have the opportunity to be more aware of people's needs Mm -hmm. because you're not just hanging out with people who are maybe in the same socioeconomic group as you Mm -hmm. or the same phase of life as you. And so one of the interesting things and and things that I have really been blessed with um, is being able to help out those who are in need Mm -hmm. and in a very personal special way like I I love to be a helper I think you did my Enneagram or whatever (laughs) and I was the helper and Uh I I derive a lot of joy from that Mm -hmm. but I love being able to um, see the needs of people in the community and try to meet those needs Mm -hmm. and I think really the the Fremont community in general is so special in that way if you think back a year ago we had that flood Mm -hmm. and for those of you who are not from this area Fremont was completely cut off Mm -hmm. on every side by water like no one could come in no one could go out and it was about a week right Mm -hmm. that the town was completely (coughs) cut off and oh my gosh Fremont just rocked it like they set up shelters Mm-hmm. People with airboats were airboating supplies in. People with small planes were flying people mm-hmm. in and out. Building sandbags and putting them putting, out. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And just really, really working together and coming together in a time where, you know, they could have gone the other direction. Like people could have started looting or rioting mm-hmm. or. And instead, people were like, no, we're just going to get this done. Like we're mm-hmm. going to work together. We're going to take care of our neighbors. We're going to help people dig the mud out of their basements. We're going to be in community and love one another and make that work. And that is just something I really, really love. Mm -hmm. Um, I've found just people here, and again, part of that's probably a change of heart for me as well, really want to be real. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has been such a blessing. You and I's friendship I think is very unique and that there is very rarely a time that we dwell on the superficial. Mm -hmm. Like we have walk and talks, which are -hmm. great because we get like six and a half, seven miles in Mm -hmm. because it takes us two hours to get it done. (laughs) Um, and we still have words, but we're, we're talking about real Mm -hmm. things. We're not, you know, we're talking about real issues that are impacting our lives and being real about the struggles Mm -hmm. that we're having in our marriages or the struggles that we're having with our children and what a release that is to Mm -hmm. not just have to put on this facade of perfectionism Mm -hmm. because I'm not perfect. My children, (laughs) I love them, but they are not perfect. Mm -hmm. My husband Mm -hmm. is wonderful and funny and cute but he has his moments, right? So mm-hmm. we yeah, all we all do. We mm-hmm. all do. But mm-hmm. just to be able to, to be real, but also not to be judgmental, right? Mm-hmm. To just be like, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. My kids struggle in different ways. How can we make it better? Instead of, you know, and, and really working through that mm-hmm. and what that can look like. I guess those have really been yeah. the big things. Um, walking with you through Jackson's death hmm. Really? It was hard. I mean, because like you said, I I really do great with joy and happiness. Right. Um. <coughs> I, yeah. I am. Don't do well with other emotions. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a person who kind of tamps down any mm-hmm. other emotion because I don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But you and Eric have been such a blessing to Jay and I in teaching mm-hmm. us how to walk through a hard difficult time Mm -hmm. in a loving caring fashion in a real way that Mm
0: -hmm. is meaningful and and thank you for that well thank you I mean you guys really did um really did step up and, and walk with us in just a really powerful way. And what you just said, you know, about you like to tamp things down and you don't deal with hard things. I mean, you told me that before Jackson died. <laughs> so when he died, I, you know, kind of just making a quick mental list of who are the people that I'm going to be able to lean on through this. I was worried because I just thought, I don't know how this is going to work because she has told me that she likes, you know, happy, Things And um, that difficult emotions can be hard. And I just have to give you credit and just thanks to the Lord, too, that you and Jay, I mean, you guys went out of your comfort zone and you, you know, you said, teach us, teach us how to do this, teach us how to walk through hard things, teach us what you need, teach us how we can be good friends um, through this. And man, Jody, it just makes me want to ball because, whoo. That was way out of your comfort zone, and you guys did it so beautifully. And um, I think, you know, whether it's the flood, whether it's death, whether it's a rebellious teenager, whether it's job loss, whether it's health issues, I mean, whatever hard things present themselves, it also presents you with an opportunity to decide, like, okay, is this friendship worth fighting for? Are these people my people? And if they are, then this may have this may cause me to step way out of my comfort zone um, to keep living in community with them because um, those first few years of grief, I mean I just had nothing to give and our friendship was pretty 50/50 up until that point. We had a lot of right. back and forth and fun times and I gave this and you gave that and I shared this and you did that and you know it was very um, much an easy, fun, happy friendship and um, it transitioned for a cup good couple of years of you having to carry the load and you having to bear the weight of giving a hundred percent when I could give nothing. And um, you know, we've seen we've seen people do that, you know, like you said, with the flood and with other hard things in life. And that is easier to do when you keep running into each other and when you are when your things overlap. I mean, I think <clears throat> I think it gets back to the living life together. I mean, with my local real life friendships like you um you know a lot of our life just overlaps so it wasn't like you had to keep trying to make time to see me in the midst of that I mean we had the same events we were going to we were showing up at church together I mean we shop at the same grocery store I mean so it that is one aspect and one benefit of a smaller community is that um We know what's going on in each other's lives and we run into each other (laughs) and it's just easier to feel connected and easier to check in with each other. And I totally agree with the being real aspect that you brought up too, because when, you know, when you live in the same community, it's just hard to keep an Instagram kind of front. (laughs) I mean, people know us, they know our kids. I mean, when they were little, they saw them you know, throwing tantrums at the store. They've stopped over at our house when it's a mess. I mean, they've felt the tension between me and my husband, right? Like we've, we've, they've seen, you know, my kids cry at different things. So it's real life. And I think that is what builds real community and real friendships. And so definitely been a huge aspect of our friendship. I agree. So and thank, thank you. you for that. Well, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, um before we make everything in small town America and small town Nebraska seem, you know, too ideal or give the impression that living in community with one another is easy and, and simple and happy all the time, um, it does present challenges. Um, there are challenges in any city because relationships are messy and people are messy. So, So let's just spend a couple minutes just kind of talking about some challenges that do present themselves when people try to live in a close-knit community with other people. I mean, do you ever get discouraged and just wonder if this is worth it?
1: You know, I, I again, I really love this community, so I wouldn't say I have any desire to move in that regard. But I mm-hmm. have definitely had situations or circumstances that have presented themselves over the years mm-hmm. where it is hard because, again, it is a small town. So if someone is upset with you, of, uh, they tend to tell their friends who tend to tell their friends who then mm-hmm. everyone kind of knows whatever the situation is and that's not the best it's it's Mm -hmm. not my favorite by any stretch um plus you are going to see that person again so there is no ducking it there's Mm -hmm. no like well this person is in conflict with me so I'm just going to avoid them that really is probably not going to work more than likely you're going to run into them again you're going to run into their friends you it's going to impact your life. And so that is really tricky mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. it can be discouraging. And I, you and I have discussed, we have a very similar trait in that we can have a hundred people that think we're amazing. And if one person thinks we're not amazing, it consumes <laughs> us. Like we just focus like, why doesn't this person like me? Like what can I do differently? And so it, it can rob you of joy right mm-hmm. if someone is disgruntled with you or or doesn't particularly like you um mm-hmm. and again you're seeing that person on a regular basis so it it can be very difficult mm-hmm. but for me the payoff is finding a friends and relationships that are worth fighting for mm-hmm. right the the people who have your back the people who want to live in relationship with you and and at the end of the day the reality is you can't make everyone like you i have to remind myself of that all the time that as much as i would like everyone to like me and i think most people would like everyone to like them it's just not a reality yeah and so being okay with that and but still and you model this well i think we try we aspire to model this well even if someone doesn't like us or if we're in conflict with them just still being kind, showing compassion Mm -hmm. to them, um, trying not to fall into the nasty gossip circle or saying things that are unkind Mm -hmm. because, and again, the pro and the con of living in a smaller community, like there is a certain level of accountability for Mm -hmm. what you say and do. Mm -hmm. It's in the city. People, for example, they honk all the time. Like every time I go in <laughs> Omaha, people are honking at me. I'm like, "Geez, people, really? Just relax for a moment." But yeah, and my boys laugh because I never honk at anyone in Fremont ever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Mom, that person's not going." I'm like, "Well, you know, honey, maybe they're distracted. It's fine." Plus, I know if I honk at them, they'll be like at Baker's the next day and be like, "What was your problem yesterday? Exactly. Why are you honking at me?" That- so anyway, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just different, right? And, yes. And like you said, there's there's beauty and it, where there's beauty, there's also trial, right? A hundred percent. that's living in a small town. Yeah. There's, there's pros and cons. Everyone knows your business, which is beautiful in that people will tell you if your kids are doing stupid things. I really yeah. appreciate that. But people mm-hmm. also know when your kids are doing stupid things. So yeah,
0: yeah. <clears throat> no, you're right. And I think I think that you know, smaller communities sometimes can even be stronger because of this. I think we can turn it around and and even think about the benefits that it can bring when we can't avoid people because, you know, people here have pressed on in friendships and relationships through the mess of life. I mean, you sometimes have to stay working at a place that's hard just because there's not a whole lot of other options, or you stay living next to difficult neighbors, or you stay you know, at the same school with some challenging peers, they're just in a smaller community, there aren't a lot of options sometimes. And so if we let it and work on it, it actually can help us to be like you said, kinder and nicer and more forgiving people and work just a little harder with relationships. um, So that when you have to sit with them at the next event, right, (laughs) there's not that that kind of weird tension. And I would say also in grief for me, I mean, there were times I think a challenge for me early on was I did feel a lot of times like I was living in a fishbowl, um there were times that it felt like too much to have everybody know what was going on i mean everybody knew our story and could see kind of into the deepest pain we'd ever experienced into our in our life and and i know that this aspect was particularly hard on our kids just feeling like everywhere they went people kind of knew their story they knew them as Jackson's brother or the family that lost their son um but I know, you know, Justine going off to college, she was really ready for a fresh start and, and a break from all of this. But it was almost, um, it was almost harder when she realized that, oh, wait, nobody here knows my story. Right. <laughs> and I don't have community here and I'm not known here. And so she's worked, you know, to give her credit, she has worked really hard Um to create community there and to be known and loved there Um, she she missed it Um, she really grew to appreciate you know what she had here in a smaller community and the blessings of our family um, being known and and loved and walking through so many people through the ups and downs of life warts and all Um, And I, you know, so I think, you know, being reminded that there are challenges to living life closely with others in whatever size city and whatever way, um, let's talk through a couple things that we would say to encourage somebody to persevere through the tough relational stuff and keep prioritizing friendships. So when the, when the going has gotten tough, you just mentioned, you know, just really trying to think through who are the friends that I do want to keep fighting for um, how do you determine that? How, you know, what are some things that you've done when you've gotten discouraged, when you realize people don't like you or you're struggling with some tension or even you and I, I mean, when we've had times where we've struggled in our friendship, we've heard each other's feelings, we've had tears. Um, how do we, how do we keep fighting? How do we know who we keep fighting for and with?
1: That is such a great question. Um, for me... There, for example, really, you and I had only been friends. I think I was thinking about this the other day. I think we had only really started hanging out about eight months before Jackson's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys invited us to the what concert was that? Def Leppard. Def Lippard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which was awesome
0: because, um, and that's when I learned about Groupon's because uh, you were like, "I have a Groupon." I'm like, "What yes, in the, the heck the is Cuban a Groupon?" <laughs>
1: I'd never heard of that before. Well, and what was cute was that you invited Jay and me because um, we are pretty outgoing and fun. And you were like, oh, they'll totally be Def Leppard fans. And (laughs) not knowing that, like in my high school career, all I listened to was Amy Grant. Right, right. And you're like, don't you love the song? I'm
0: like, I don't know the words. Um, Uh
1: But, you know, in that amount of time, like we clicked – and really as couples clicked in a way that was just super special like mm-hmm. we had so much fun and we had a lot of all of our kids age lined up so we had a lot of things in common we had similar um, things that we were struggling with similar things that we were happy about and so when you when Jackson passed away again it it wasn't that we had been lifelong friends But I looked at this and really looked at our friendship and said, this is something special. Like this is something our relationship is something unique Mm -hmm. um, and very difficult to find. And it is definitely worth fighting for. And I think, you know, going back to kind of when I talked about dating for friendship, there are just people in life that you connect with. There are people who resonate with you and make you a better person and fill your cup and when you find those people being intentional in developing that relationship I think is just such an amazing thing because there's plenty of people out there who want to tear you down but the people who build you up and Mm -hmm. fill your cup like they are a jewel they are a treasure and you know I'm blessed that I have a husband who is very much that way he's as you know, Jody, very words of affirmation, mm-hmm. um, and very loving, and finding that in friendship too. Just when you leave a coffee or a, a walk, and be mm-hmm. like, "I just feel good. I feel better. I feel filled up." Um, then that's worth putting your time and energy and emotions into, and mm-hmm. really just acknowledging that for the treasure that it is
0: mm-hmm. that's really well said well switching gears a little bit or, or maybe even just getting more specific one thing that you and jay do a lot <clears throat> to help build community and you're really good at <laughs> is having people over um i think being hospitable is a big part of any community life and getting to know others Um, and their families. So tell me a little bit about how you and Jay began um, prioritizing this. Have you always done this? Um, Is it something that you've um, had to learn to do? Did it come naturally? Just kind of how has being hospitable and having people in your home helped you guys build community and find joy?
1: You bet. Well, we kind of touched on this a little bit. I grew up in a household that entertained I mean, Mm -hmm. my mom loved to entertain, still loves to entertain. Mm -hmm. And she's a foodie. She's written five Mm -hmm. cookbooks. I love that. Um, So then I got to college and Jay was a restaurant management major in college. And so he even had a catering company in college. I don't even know that you knew that. Uh -uh. But um, that was one of the ways we stayed afloat when we got married our junior year of college. Mm -hmm. And so we have this love of food. Mm -hmm. And Jay... I always thought I was an extrovert. Jay has taught me that I'm actually an introvert because he really is an extrovert and he loves people. Mm-hmm. And so when we got married, because both of us have a passion for these things, we we have always cooked and had people over, even when we had like nothing. We still were the place that people would come mm-hmm. and everyone would just bring food and we would create um, a meal or or realize the, the importance and the value of breaking bread together. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we've just continued that. I mean, y- they talk about the five love languages. We say there's six, that food is, <laughs> is the sixth. Mm-hmm. And for us, I would say food is such an integral part. Um, mm-hmm. Part of that too, like I said, Jay is a words of affirmation guys. So if any of you listeners ever do come to our house, it is very important <laughs> when Jay cooks you food to tell him it was the most magnificent meal that you've ever had because it just fills his cup. He's like, yeah. did they like the food? What did <laughs> they say about the food? Yeah. So, um, he's super sweet and super cute in that regard. Um, so, and one special thing that we've developed because you love to clean and I do not love to clean mm-hmm. in any way. And so we actually have a we cook you clean kind of policy. Partnership, and that's, yes. That's, that's really mm-hmm. been just a very beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you have friends who have a gift that is different than yours and they love to do one or the other, I would highly recommend that. That really takes a lot yeah. of pressure off of. Oh, yeah.
0: Having to do both. Yeah, it can be a lot to try to be straightening up your house and cooking a meal. Oh, and absolutely. so for me to just kind of tidy up the house a little bit and then Jay walks in the door with all the food, I mean, it really it's, works well. It's a good,
1: it's a good it plan. It works really well. It's a very good plan. Well, you
0: guys are really good at it. Jay is, I mean, it's not hard to give him compliments because he is really good and um, makes some amazing, amazing food.
1: And that's been super fun and super special. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, you've blessed a lot of people through it. And, you know, Eric and I really value it, too. I think that's another thing that bonds us um, as friends and why we keep trying to find other friends to bring into the circle of um, entertaining and hospitality. Because there is something about having a meal together, especially in a home, that just creates connection and deeper relationships. I think you just see a contrast in conversation When you have people over, it just gets richer and and more real, and you know, and then you just get to know each other's families too. I mean, your friends begin, or your kids begin to um, create friendships, and your spouses, you know, build friendships. And um, we definitely saw that happen with our two families. Um, And just a couple practical things too, like the we cook, you clean idea is a good one, I think too. Eric and I have learned um, not to do all or nothing. I mean, Jay is very gifted and good at doing a whole entire meal. You know, start to finish. But I think if you're not and um, you're just wanting to get started with having people into your home and extending invitations, um, there is nothing wrong with chips and salsa and drinks. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I love that. Too. We love that. I mean, sometimes that's even enough and better. Just sit out on the deck with a drink. Or, you know, if you're going to an event at seven o'clock, having maybe a couple people over at five for a charcuterie board and a drink and then going to the event together. I mean, just. Just extending the invitation, just getting people into your home and kind of being the one to initiate. It doesn't have to be all or nothing.
1: Well, and that everything doesn't have to be perfect. Mm -mm. I think we, again, have this idea that we need to put on this facade of perfection. And, you know, different people have different priorities. I am not a decorator. My house is nice, but it's not fancy. Mm -hmm. I would rather spend my money on traveling. And so... I and I sometimes fall, fall into that, especially with inviting people over who have maybe bigger houses or mm-hmm. nicer houses or nicer things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you know what? It, if they really want to be in relationship with me, they're not going to care that I still have spots on my carpet no. from when the kids spilled yeah. their drink. So mm-hmm. I getting past that and realizing that most people that you want to be in relationship with. Are going to care more about spending time with you than what the condition of your house is
0: 100 percent, and that kind of leads into the next thing i wanted to talk about which is loneliness because i think we can be paralyzed with all of those things you just mentioned and so then we don't do anything but um you know kind of two things number one we're in the middle of a global coronavirus pandemic so a lot of these things that we just talked about having people over for dinner working on friendships you know through walks and coffee and you know having a nice chat at the grocery store I mean these things aren't happening right now um, and then on top of that even before the coronavirus stuff hit I mean loneliness is just a common theme in our world in general there are a gazillion ways to connect online and all different kinds of ways but we continue to hear that people are feeling disconnected and alone so First of all, how is the coronavirus stuff affecting you? <laughs> and then second of all, you know, just what are some what are some ways that we can continue to encourage people if they are lonely um, and they are desiring richer friendships, deeper relationships? What are a couple of just really good first simple steps?
1: So yeah, the coronavirus, wow. Not <laughs> wow. my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. It's been really hard because usually when you have, a major event like this, say the flood, for example, or war or anything that is a major global impact, to me, two of the big ways that people cope with that are by coming together Mm -hmm. um, to meeting together and to working towards a common purpose. So you have community and you have purpose. Mm-hmm. And that kind of is the coping ne- mechanism for people to get through a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. And with the virus, I feel like both of those coping mechanisms are not an option. Mm-hmm. You, you can't come together in community. You can't get together with other people to, to feel like you're not alone in this, to feel like there's other people feeling the way you're feeling. And I feel like because a lot of people are out of work, um, because a lot of people don't have their normal routine. They also are lacking their sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's just causing this anxiety that it is, it's difficult to deal with because you can't use the traditional means of coping right. with this. Right, And so it has been really hard. And it's hard... It gives you a glimpse into people's lives who are isolated, who, who don't sure. have the ability or they don't feel like they can are part of a community because you get a glimpse into what isolation really looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's different. Obviously, you and I have our kids at home, so we still have a lot of activity. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking the other day, goodness gracious, if if I was a single person, Mm-hmm. and I didn't have Jay and the boys to distract me right where my mind would go during this time and yeah. and how I would feel in that and so it has given some interesting perspective Um, and I think that there is a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. I think you and I both have seniors in high school mm-hmm. and so there's some stress and anxiety and Sadness about mm-hmm. how how that is impacting them. Our husbands are having stress at work in that you know people are laying people off or businesses that Jay sells to are closed, and mm-hmm. so he can't sell them things, and so that creates another level of anxiety. And working at the Y, I see it too because again the Y is such of a, a hub of our community, and the YMCA had to close obviously mm-hmm. but that for a lot of people was their community that coming together in the morning and having coffee and that was who they talked to and that's how they yeah. you know kind of got through their day that was the high point of their day and now that's not available to them and so it really is just mm-hmm. mind-boggling the effects of this, you know, not only from a health standpoint or from a financial standpoint, but just from a mental standpoint of how important relationalism is to positive mental health Mm -hmm. and, um, and keeping your thoughts happy and just finding joy in life. Right. Which is the whole theme of your Mm -hmm. podcast fighting for joy. Right. So um, and community and relationalism is such a big part of having positive mental health. And mm-hmm. so it mm-hmm. has been really hard.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's been stretching for sure. And I think you're right. I love your perspective, Jody, on just the mental health aspect of it and also just helping us to get a glimpse into maybe the loneliness and isolation that people may feel just in general in life without this too i mean this gives us us glimpses of it i I love a couple of little stories that i've been hearing about different people who are single um who have decided to kind of be quarantined together right like we're just gonna see each other so they don't you know they're not living in the same home but they have decided we're not going to go out anywhere other than to each other's houses and that's just provided a little bit of community in the midst of it all but i think you know in regards to loneliness and isolation whether you're in the pandemic or not um I think there can be a a false perception that friendships and that community, it's just going to happen naturally or easily, but it really does take hard work. Um, and even rejection. And you and I have talked about this. I mean, we know what it's like to ask somebody to come over for dinner or even just go for a walk and have them say no, (laughs) or to make, you know, a huge effort with it with somebody over and over and over. And they just kind of never reciprocate. But, but you and I are living proof that we will, you know, will survive the rejection, um, but what's more important is that if you keep trying, you will find your community and it may not look what you look like what you thought it would. Um, sometimes I think you know we aren't thinking out of the box enough with friendships and with what community life can look like. Um, it's definitely fun when you know you have similar interests or your families are in the same season or you kind of hold to all the same beliefs, but If you are really lonely and isolated and struggling, I mean, I think don't limit yourself to some of these stipulations. Um, I think there are a lot of lonely people out there who just haven't been able to find their people yet because they're not thinking big enough and wide enough.
1: And you can learn so much Mm -hmm. from being friends with Mm -hmm. people who are not in the same phase of life. I mean, there's definitely a comfort to Mm -hmm. finding people who are going through similar struggles, Who are in the same age group as you who have children the same age as you but for example I am in a part of a book club which kind of fits your your description right Mm -hmm. because we have one member I think our oldest member is 75 Mm -hmm. and our youngest member is 31 Mm -hmm. and we read these books and we come together and I, I love the discussions because there are just very, very different perspectives Mm -hmm. of the books that we read, of life, of experiences, Mm -hmm. um, just knowledge, wisdom. And that has been a group that has really, really blessed me, um, but maybe wouldn't be who you would normally think of hanging out with. I mean, like I said, Betsy, who I adore, is is my parents age. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she and I are super good friends, but who would have thought right in my twenties that I would hang out with or have a friend who is the same age as my mom. <laughs> right. So I love it. I, it's been fantastic. And mm-hmm. again, um, but it does take being intentional. Right? right. And, and some, I have my father-in-law calls it, ha- I'm a haver. I'm always having things, so, um, but, and not everyone is a haver, and I guess that's been the other thing that we've had to learn, and that people need to understand, like, because my feelings have been hurt in the past of, geez, Louise, I've invited them over, and we've had them over for dinner, and I've invited Mm -hmm. them to do all these things, and they've, I've never even seen their house, it's five years later. I think that there's just People who are comfortable with that and people who are not. Yeah. Um, And I don't know that I for sure have worked through how to handle that yet. Mm-hmm. But understanding that not everyone has the gift of hospitality mm-hmm. or enjoys doing that. I don't think necessarily that it's not that they don't enjoy your company. Maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, but it's I think that they're. It is more that just some people are much mm-hmm. more comfortable and had it modeled for them. I don't know that a lot of people had that modeled for them as a child of having people over mm-hmm. or I think that's huge. being in a club or whatever that might look like yeah. yeah
0: yeah so again getting you know people to think outside of the box if you didn't have that modeled for you or you're unfamiliar with it just you know expanding your thinking and being willing to try new things but I think you're right, Jody I think there are friends that I mean we can't expect a couple friends to meet all of our all of our needs I mean it's important to have the friends that have you over and then the friend that you know you are in a book club with and then the friend that you know is the mom of your kids friend you know friends or whatever so I mean there's a lot of different kinds of friendships that we can have and um you know and also just kind of thinking through what does fill our cup I mean what you know during this time with the pandemic um if a Zoom call <laughs> isn't filling your cup, I mean, don't feel like you have to do it just because everybody is doing right. it, right? Like, think of ways that will um, will encourage you and make you feel, you know, connected with others. I mean, maybe there's a way to serve your community, doing acts of kindness for others, dropping things off on people's porches or, you know, sending them flowers or just being a good neighbor and, you know, taking the social distancing seriously. Maybe that makes you feel like you are building into the community, but... Um, You know, I think, um, one of the things you said early on was when you came to Fremont, you were on fire, you know, you were on fire. And I think that if you're waning right now during this time of the pandemic thinking, I don't, you know, I don't have this tight knit community. I don't have these kinds of friendships, um, then get on fire for when this is all over and be prepared, um, to do some of these things, um, in the coming months, I mean, you can start building it now um, and be excited to to really implement some of these things when it's over. And in the meantime, like we said, remember that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I mean, you can send a quick text to somebody and say, "I've missed running into you," or you can drop off cookies um, to a family that you want to get to know better with an invitation to come for dinner once this social distancing is over. Just some small gestures now might make a big difference later.
1: I agree. In fact, I had a friend the other day send me a greeting card. Hmm. I love snail mail. Yeah. How cool is it when you yeah. get like a card in the it means mail? means a lot. I love yeah, that.
0: It means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, one last thought too, just on, you know, thinking outside of the box during this time, I think we can't discount the value and benefit of an online community. It's definitely not a replacement, um, but <laughs> You know, right now, during all that we're going through with the coronavirus, it can be life giving for different people in specific areas. I mean, I do have an online community that I'm a part of around grief. Um, You know, there's different people I've connected with over podcasting. Um, And so, you know, virtual friends can be pretty special and can fill a space sometimes in your life that can really help. With the fight for joy and not feeling so alone with what you're going through or different things you want to learn more about. But like I said, it's not a replacement for actually living life with people. But in addition to real life community, especially during this in between time, it can be just an idea for another, another way to feel connected.
1: Absolutely. Well, and technology provides us so many ways. So many, yeah. You know, with this e learning, but mm-hmm. um, also yeah. with videos. I got Snapchat this week. You oh, maybe wow. me Jody. on Snapchat. I nice. I'm just very technological <laughs> these days. Great. But one of the fun things that we've done with that um, is with my nieces, and then also with. <laughs> Some of my minion girls, mm-hmm. uh, we're doing daily jokes and challenges, and oh, sending those back and forth, and yeah. just doing silly videos. And um, that's not something you would do normally on a day-to-day basis because people are bo- are usually very busy and yes. would never, you know, want to take the time to do that. But people are at home right now and they are wanting relationships so mm-hmm. like you said you know this might be a great time to build some relationships of reaching out to people yeah. because they're home they can't say that they're busy right um right and people I think are contemplating the value of relationship over achievement more now than before because in our lives we can get so busy with mm-hmm. the aspiration of achievement or doing things or just the the thrill of being busy Mm -hmm. that it makes you realize that at the end of the day when all of that is gone what is the most important thing it's it's relationship because that is all temporary Mm -hmm. and so I think people right now are in a place where they understand the value of relationship more than maybe they did a month ago.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, we need to start wrapping up. I knew this would be a long episode because like we said, we never run out of things to talk about. (laughs) Um, Both of our husbands always think that's so funny that um, we can be together for hours and then we're texting about something we forgot to say or want to get together the next day. Um, But anyway, um, I just want to end by talking kind of similarly to what you just said about the Snapchat stories and just... Simple things that are bringing you joy and helping you fight for joy right now. Just these simpler joys, um, smaller things that um, that you have in your life right now that are making you joyful.
1: You bet. Well, I love our walk and talks. Those mm-hmm. are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Killing two birds with one stone. I get lots of exercise and mm-hmm. I get my Jodi time. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely a quality time person. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Jay and I, even before this social isolation, we have an evening process, I guess you would say where after eight o'clock and we get all the dishes done, then we sit down and we snuggle up on the couch and we watch a silly TV show and he makes me popcorn and brings me a glass of wine. And love it's it. one of my favorite times of the day right now. We're binge watching Car- Caribbean life. I <laughs> <'Cause laughs> love it. Very hopeful. Ju- yes. We're yes. very hopeful. <laughs> 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 makes me want to be a snowbird very badly. Um, also books books bring me a lot of joy Mm -hmm. um I am a a more of a fiction reader so I love historical fiction but I've also because community is a hot button with me just really started looking at books from the perspective of community and how many books focus on Mm -hmm. people who were not in community and then find again community but not maybe in the traditional sense and the impact that that makes on their lives, and so if you're looking for a few good yeah, reads yeah. Um, along that line, there's one author who who does it extremely well. Um, I can't recall his name right now, but here's the names of the books. Um, his the first book I really liked that he wrote was a man called Ove. And then he also wrote, My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You She's Sorry. Mm -hmm. And he's a Swedish writer. A man called Ove actually has a movie with Swedish subtitles that Jay watched with me the other day. Oh, good for him. Um, And he really did end up liking it. But even books like that just came out, The Giver of the Stars and Where the Crawdads Sing, if you look at those from the perspective of community, it is such an interesting um, dynamic and an interesting way to look at how community or a lack of community can impact your perspective of life and um, your ability to live
0: life well. Hmm. well that's really I love that you are um, looking for glimpses into community life even in the books you're reading I mean it's such a value for you Jody, and you have shared so many encouraging things um, surrounding this topic and you do it well you and Jay do it really well
1: Thanks for living in community with us. That's yeah. very special. Yeah,
0: well, we love it. And I'm thankful for you, Jody. I mean, you really are, you're a faithful and a true friend. And I'm, I love living life with you. And like I said, your whole family is so special to us and such a blessing to be in this um, for the long haul together, living in community together. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.